Amen. Um, look at your neighbor and tell them it's good to be at church this morning. Go ahead and tell your other neighbor the same. Um, if this is your first time with us or you're visiting with us this morning, I'm Pastor Josh. I am uh, glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here if you're watching online or traveling today. I'm glad you can join us. I want to begin with a, a few quick announcements. The first is uh, invite, start inviting people to church. Christmas season, the Advent season is a great time uh, to invite people to church. We are, we're going to celebrate during this season, uh, but also I know the holidays are, are very difficult for some people, and um, we'll, we'll acknowledge that where the text does acknowledge it and, and, and talk about it, and a church can be a place um, where people can come experience a little bit of hope in a season sometimes where things feel hopeless um, and uh, some healing. So uh, invite people to church. People are more open during this season to, to give you an answer of yes uh, to church. So invite them. And so that's the first announcement I want to make. And the second is we're going to pray over these shoe boxes here in a little bit. We gave over 145 or 144 of these shoe boxes away. I think most of them have come in. And so that's a record for us as a church. Um, and uh, these are going to be shipped out here today. Um, if you're watching and or you forgot yours, like just go get it after church and bring it. Uh, we won't feel we won't make you feel bad about it. Uh, just go get it so we can ship them out and we can do as much good as possible. Um, I'm not big. I'm not going to shame you at all for that. And then um, another announcement I want to make that's similar to that. Um, this is kind of a, a global thing that we are doing. These these shoe boxes go basically. We ship them all throughout the world. Uh, but there's some local needs that we want to make sure that we are involved in as well. We partner with Operation Love. If you're not familiar with Operation Love, they they are uh, an organization um, out of Anderson, and uh, they help people all around the Madison County area and, and beyond, um, basically with a lot of their basic needs. Uh, I was just at a meeting uh, this past week with them, and they're doing great work, and it's great to hear uh, from Andrea and what they are doing. But we are participating uh, this year in Operations Love Christmas Wishes program. For, so for us, that looks like us adopting three families. We'll help provide meals, um, gifts, uh, coats, and uh, more. Uh, be looking at your inboxes. If you get our emails or eburst, uh, please be looking for that. If you don't, you can sign up by clicking the little thing in front of you there with your phone. Um, and you will get information uh, about that soon. And so I just want to kind of get that in front of you. And there are, there's a lot of need out there right now. I, I was just with Andrea and Operation Love, and they were saying their, their food bank uh, traffic has gone up 30% over the past couple weeks. And we were just kind of asking why. And they said probably it, from there just asking other people why they're coming in, said inflation and people are starting to lose their jobs at a, a fairly high rate right now. Um, and so there, there's, there's need out there. And I don't want us to get tired of trying to meet needs. I know this time of year, um, uh, basically like compassion fatigue can start to set in a, a little bit because we're giving and we're being asked of, of so much. And I, I titled this sermon, uh, Press On in Generosity, because the, the text kind of leads us there. Uh, but also, I think as, as Christians, we need to press on in that. We need to be careful not allow, to allow that compassion fatigue to creep into our lives. Uh, because being generous uh, with others and helping out others is inherent in who we are as, as Christians. And so we all have limits that we're able to give and, and, and what we're able to do, while at the same time we sometimes need to stretch ourselves into in, those limits because we, we want to see the kingdom be realized. We want to help people out as much as possible. And so the title of the sermon is 
press on in generosity, and we get this idea uh, from the letter in the, or from Philippians, the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. If you're just with us, what we're doing is we're walking through the book of Philippians, and this is the last um, day we're going to be in Philippians. And we do this because what we are trying to do is let the text set the agenda. In other words, what, what God has kind of inspired through Paul, we, we've walked through the book, and we want to we want to teach, we want to preach, we want to kind of put out there what God gave Paul, and kind of just let it set and let it be what it is. Um, in front of us. And so to catch you up real quick, Paul's in prison. He's in Rome. He's towards the end of his life, and he's trying to go to Rome because he wants to share the gospel with the Roman authorities. He wants to basically even just get to the emperor because not only do all roads lead to Rome, but all roads lead from Rome. And he believes that if the gospel can get to Rome, that if Jesus can be lifted high in Rome, it will spread throughout the entire world. And that is Paul's mission. And he's writing the Philippian church and he's getting to the end, and, and basically the letter is to encourage the church, but it's also to thank them for their giving and for their support and for their concern. And so that's where we pick up chapter 4, verse 10. I'm gonna, we're going to just walk through, we're going to get to verse 19, and then we're going to be done. So uh, you can follow along, uh, verse 10. I'm reading out of the NIV today. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. And so Paul is writing, and he's thanking them for their renewal of, and their clarity of their concern because they have given to him financially. And so they've, they've been giving to him as he's in prison because as we learned weeks ago that he, he, was, he was kind of in home prison, but he still had to be supported by other people. It wasn't like going to the, the prison right down the road where taxes kind of poured in. But he was, he, you had to be supported by others when you were in prison. So he's thanking them. But he says something really interesting. It, it almost feels like kind of a backhanded thanks, but that's not what it is as you read through and as we'll look. He said, I don't even really need it. I, I mean, I, that's probably not, like if I were to write a letter, somebody would give me something. Yeah, thanks, I don't really need it. Right? But here's what he wants them to see. He, he's saying, I don't need it because I'm, I'm, I'm content. I'm, I'm a content type of person. And the word that he uses here in the Greek, it's actually a word that the Stoics used, the Stoic philosophers used. And they used it to describe self-sufficiency. In other words, like when this word was used and it was celebrated among the Stoic philosophers, it meant that somebody was self-sufficient, that they didn't need anyone else, they didn't need anything else, and they could almost remove themselves from the circumstances. Although they were going on, they, they would be able to rise above them and for the Greeks, for the Stoics, and for the Romans who are picking up this philosophy, it was actually considered like the highest attribute of a wise person was to be self-sufficient. To basically say, I don't need anyone, I don't need anything, no matter the circumstance. And so what Paul is, is telling the people here as he's writing them, as he's writing his supporters, he's basically telling them, like, I'm okay in prison. I know how not to be destroyed by my circumstances. He knows how to rise above it is what he's saying. He knows how to keep his demeanor where it needs to be and not be determined by the situation that he is in. He's looking at this situation. He's looking at being in prison. He's, he's looking at maybe never getting to the emperor, maybe dying in prison, and he's just saying, I've got this. I'm okay. And for the people reading that, although they're, they're Christians, they probably would have valued that to a certain extent. And those outside of the church would have highly valued it. For anyone who has achieved it. And what Paul is telling them, I, I have achieved this inner fortitude 
that so many people want, that so many people are pursuing. In verse 12, he continues and he says this, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've had a lot. I've had a little bit. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. So what is the secret? I'm a, I'm a coach, right? I've seen Tebow do this. Here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ, through him, who gives me strength. He says, no matter what, I've got strength. But what he does here is he flips this on its head. He flips the idea of being self-sufficient on his head. The people that would have been hearing this or reading along, they go, well, he's self-sufficient. He would go, no, I'm not self-sufficient. I'm sufficient in Christ. I'm Christ-sufficient. Every situation belongs to Christ. I've heard people say, and well-intentioned, by the way, I I can't keep preaching in this, Um, (laughs) that, you know, like I'll never be given more than I can handle, or God will never give me more than I can handle. Uh, The truth is, when you read the scriptures, and you really look at what people have gone through, and what they've done, and where they've been, is you get more than you can handle all the time. You really do. I mean, there are people who say that they're well-intentioned, and even like pastors who say that they're, they're well-intentioned, it's actually a, a misreading of uh, the passage, like you won't be tempted beyond what you can bear. Um, but we, we are given more than we can handle all the time. And, and in fact, I would, even, I would even propose you don't just want what you can only handle in your life. Uh, I'll tell you, I love reading biographies. Um, I'm, I'm, like a, I'm more of a, like a nonfiction reader than I am fiction reader. I like some fiction, um, but it's, it's typically got to be like fiction that teaches me something. Um, I'm like bad at just reading something, but to read it. Um, but so I really like biographies, and I'm not drawn to biographies of like people who just had a like super simple, easy life and never overcame anything. Uh, the ones that I'm drawn to is like, man, they were given way more than they can handle. I have, how did they overcome those circumstances? We're reading about somebody like that. And I would propose to you that whether you want things that are going to be bigger than you in your life or not, that they're going to happen and they're going to come. And what are you going to do with it? And Paul says, I'm going to put it in God's lap. And so when you're given circumstances that are bigger than you can handle, you need to give it to God. You need to give it to God. Paul says, whether I have a lot, whether I'm healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, it belongs to God. I'm putting it back in God's lap. And Paul says, now that I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I'm, I'm putting it in God's lap. This situation belongs to God. No matter whether, he, whether he's rich and famous, he is a man in Christ. If he is a man in prison and insignificant and just, just barely trying to get along, he is in Christ. No matter what. He remains the same person, and he remains in the same place, and his trust remains in the same place. And 
everything that he has, he is putting in Christ's lap. And this is what was understood for Paul's simple discipleship. That whatever we have belongs to God and it goes to, it goes to God. And he knows. He's, he's serious here. He really knows what it's like to have a lot and like to have a little. Be, before Paul became a Christian and decided to spread the gospel, he went to the best schools. He, he knew the right people. I don't actually know how much he had and didn't have, but I know how much he probably could have had. If you read about his pedigree and where he was, he was in the in crowd before he decided to follow Jesus. And actually, after he decided to follow Jesus, he became in the out crowd. And he was persecuted, he was beaten, he was slandered, he was abandoned, he was shipwrecked. Now he's in prison. So he knows what it's like to have a lot, and he knows what it's like to have a little, but whether it's a lot or a little, it belongs to God. And that's where he is at here. The point is this, that whether you have a lot or a little, the pathway to contentment or the secret of contentment is that all of it belongs to God. I think we're discovering in the West and we're discovering in our culture, like even affluence does not heal us. Affluence does not make us whole. It won't solve our problems. It could even create more. I feel like so many people are either overwhelmed or underwhelmed by the unlimited opportunities that kind of affluence affords you. We live in a a culture where basically like if one is good, two is better, right? Right? So if $1 is good, two is better. You can say it. How about this? How about this? $1 is nothing, right? All right. If $1 million is, be- is good, two is better, right? If one car is good, two is better. If one house is good, two is better, okay? If, yeah, here we go, here we go. If, if one wife is good, two is wrong, right? Well, well, wealth will not satisfy you. In fact, it can actually tempt you. It can tempt you to think that you don't need God. It can tempt you to think that you are sufficient in and of yourself. It can tempt you to take advantage of other people. It can tempt you to, to do things that you wouldn't have done otherwise. I mean, you think sometimes that the devil doesn't make people wealthy? I mean, I tell you I, I mean, all the time. Like, I think evil can be perpetuated more by people who are, are wealthy and have more resources than those who don't to be honest, right? And so the secret to contentment, the secret to godliness is, 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 is not right, having more, but it's relying on and trusting God. And the same is true if you have nothing or if you have very little. In March of 2024, uh, I received a phone call from uh, my renters in Birmingham, Alabama. I was living in Northeast Ohio at the time. 2024, sorry, that's next year. 2014, thank you. 2014, I'm like prophesying this on myself right here. Come on, at the end it's good. Right now it's not though. So March of 2014, thank you whoever pointed that out. I got a phone call from my renters in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm living in Northeast Ohio. We had just just moved there. I took kind of my first uh, lead pastor role at the time, and uh, it was my my renters. From down in Birmingham, we had moved, we kept the house, and I'll tell you why we kept the house in a second. And so we're up there, and they're like, hey, Josh, um, your house flooded, and we just got out with a canoe. I'm like, ah, no. (laughs) Um, And uh, so so I'm thinking, okay, what's going on? Like, this is not good. 
and uh, immediately, I'm, I, like, I'm a, I'm a planner. Um, like, I, I think about my finances, all these sorts of things. It's a $5,000 de- deductible. Um, I'm not real well off at, at this time or any time. But, um, <laughs> but I, and then I'm thinking about, okay, like, how do I, I I've got a house uh, that's literally underwater. But not only is a house underwater, like, I was underwater on the house. Uh, because this was, I bought the house in 2008. And I was a youth pastor at the time, so I'm not, like, buying into the best neighborhood to begin with. Uh, when I bought, and if any of you know anything about the two house, 2008 housing crisis, like, all the, the foreclosures, well, that was my neighborhood uh, besides me. Um, I kept paying my bills when nobody else was, and so the value of my house plummeted. That's why I still had the house when I moved up to northeast Ohio. So now I have this house that's underwater in more ways than, than one, and I'm thinking about how am I going to mitigate this house now from 800 miles away, so I, I'm kind of freaking out. I lock, lock myself in my office that day, kind of nobody know, knows what's going on, and uh, by the way, did I mention that in February of 2014, I had my first kid, um, and so medical bills are, they're start, like, they're starting to roll in. We had decided that my wife was going to be a stay-at-home mom, and so um, I'm Thinking about, oh yeah, I forgot too. In January 2014, not 2024, 2014, we also bought our house. And so we just made that down payment. And so I'm, I'm in front of my computer. I'm doing the math. I'm looking at all my assets. I'm, I'm, and I'm like, okay, well, we're going to be able to get through this, but, but I don't know how. I'm, I'm, I'm super stressed out. And uh, I kind of end the day, like after just kind of going through everything, uh, I go home and I walk in. And as Emily often does, she goes, how was your day? Um, and I began to explain to her how my day was. Um, and I, I told her, but I said, you know what? Like I prayed before I left the office. I'm still a little anxious and uh, a little nervous about everything going on, kind of like wondering, did we make the right move? Um, is everything going to be all right? And uh, I'm like, you know what? Let's just pray, Emily. Um, let's pray. Let's give this to God. Uh, this is every part of the story is 100 percent true. So let's let's give this to God, and uh, it's going to be whatever it's going to be. Like God's going to take care of us. And so we sat down and prayed, and uh, I left that time of prayer with her. I'm like, yeah, we're good. I, I, I honestly I had, had kind of this peace, like God's going to help get us through this. Uh, within an hour of that prayer, I got a phone call from my accountant. Um, my accountant attended our church, and he said, hey, Josh, um, I got some bad news and good news. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, I don't know if you ever want to hear bad news from your accountant. And he said, it's, it's March, so it's tax season. And he said, do you want the bad news or good news? And I said, I want the bad news first. Let's end on some good news. And he's like, well, the bad news is, is that you owe $6,500 in your taxes this year. And I, I like doing the math. Like I'm a I'm a Dave Ramsey fan. I've I've never like killed it like finding like all those sorts of things. But I've always had like like uh, uh, your your emergency fund and all those sorts of things. And and we've never carried debt outside of our mortgages. And, but I'm still like doing the math in my head. And at that point, I'm like, okay, we're broke. Like that that was, I mean, that was it. Like like we're broke. Um, but I'm like God. I was honestly like, it's what it is. Um, and uh, I said, so what's the good news? <laughs> and this is a true story. He, 
he said, um, somebody has decided before your taxes were even done that they're going to pay for them this year. And I'm like, do they know how much I owe? And uh, he's like, yes, they, they do. And I, I said, uh, my accountant, his, his name's Scott Stedman. I said, Scott, I said, you will not believe, like, what has happened to me today. And I start to go through the situation, and he's like, God has taken care of you. God has taken care of you. I, I remember thinking, like, I can get through this. I can get through it. And, and maybe that's for you today. Like, maybe that's what you need to hear. Whatever your circumstance, uh, financial or whatever season of life that you're in, you can get through it. In Christ, you can get through it. But whatever family troubles that you might be having, whatever you're dreading during the holidays, give it to God. You can get through it. Maybe you're on the other end. Maybe like things are going great. You have the resources. God is really blessing you. I mean, how cool is it to be that person who is the hands and feet of God? in that situation. I mean, I will never forget that story. When I get down on myself in ministry or in life, or I look at what's going on, that's a story that, that gives me hope. It, remembers, it reminds me that God is at work in my life and in the lives of others. You can get through it. Verse 14. Yet it was good of you to share my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia... Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. So here we're told that this church in Philippi, as Paul is traveling and carrying out his message, that they're, they're sharing and they're partnering with Paul. In other words, Paul's mission was their mission. They, they didn't see what he was doing as his work. They saw it as their work. They took on his mission, and they were, they were giving to him continuously. There was this, this more than once. There was, they, they, were, they were a part of it. And here's what I'm just going to ask those of you who are, are part of our church. Like, don't, don't talk about, this is not my church. Right? This is not somebody else's church. This is your church. Like, loving God, loving people, making disciples, it's, it's your mission. It's your, your church. We gave out these T-shirts to everybody who, who serves months ago, and I'm like looking at this and going like, we should be giving out these shirts to everyone who just gives. So my formal apology if you didn't get a shirt. Um, if you want a shirt, uh, tell me we want a shirt. I'll get you a shirt. Uh, from a practical standpoint, uh, Frank Thielman, he was, a, he was actually, a, he's a professor at Beeson Divinity School where I went to Divinity School down in, in Birmingham, Alabama. He was probably the most respected New Testament professor that we had. He was better with the Greek and just generally smarter than everybody else there. Um, in the New Testament commentary that he wrote on this, he said, these concerns move into the modern context easily. The financial support of the church's mission is at least as important for your own spiritual development as for any good it might do to those from whom to, or that, from those to whom we give. In other words, he's, he's just saying like your partnership, our partnership together is good not only for the, like, other, like other people, it's good for you. 
It's good for you to partner and be on mission with other people that are doing God's work, not just me, but the people that are sitting in the seats around you, and that your giving is actually connected to your spiritual growth, is what Paul is saying to you. And it's an, an investment in your spiritual growth now, but in the future. Watch verse 17. He says, not that I desire your gifts. This is Paul again here, and, and writing to the Philippians. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. In other words, like Paul here is using an accountant-type term. Uh, I don't know if any of you have, I tell you, like I, I am kind of a budgeter and stuff, so I have this app that, that budgets, and every once in a while, like you, well, not every once in a while, it's there. Like you can, see your, you can see your net worth, you can see what your retirement accounts and everything are doing, or your bank accounts, whatever they're, they're doing. And what Paul is saying here is that when you give and when you participate and when you share in, in ministry, what is happening is that you have this eternal ledger that is continuing to climb. Jesus says it like this, that you, you aren't storing up treasures just here on earth, but you're storing them up in heaven. Now, you don't get to heaven by, by giving money. Like, we, we solved that problem like 500 years ago. We said that's not, you're not going to get there by, by giving or anything like that, only through Christ. But there does seem to be spiritual rewards, both now and in eternity, when you give, that are intensely satisfying, that Paul says that are, are, are connected to your generosity. And I don't know what that will look like, but I can show you a number of, of passages. We don't have time that, that show that when, when the new heavens and the new earth are created, that there are going to be some heavenly rewards to people who have made great sacrifices and who have given and have been generous and has seen this as part of their life and walk with Christ. And it's a sign for Paul of people's growth and maturity. And because of that, he, he, he cares about your spiritual growth. He cares about your well-being. And so he writes about it and he encourages them. And he says, not only this, it's a sign like giving financially and being generous is a sign of your Christ sufficiency. Not your self-sufficiency, but your Christ sufficiency, that you believe that God is sufficient. Verse 18, he says, I have received in full payment I have more, that I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent me. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Their fragrant offering, the, the image here is of the people of God bringing their offerings to God in the Old Testament. And basically what was asked and required is that their first and best would come to God, they would bring it to the altar, and they would burn up, the, would burn up their best goats, their best sheep, their best harvest, like all of these, the, the, the first, often the tenth, and um, the smoke would rise. And what would happen is the image that the people were taught to see of, of God breathing it in. And if their lives were rightly ordered, um, and the way that God has asked them to order, by the way, they're doing their first and their best here because that's, that's what God is trying to get them to think in terms of. It's not just that you have to give me something because God doesn't need any of that. He doesn't, he doesn't need any of that. But it's a reminder that we are going to order our lives rightly and we're going to give these things to God because if we give this to God, I mean, imagine what else you're going to give to God. And so when, it, when the offering was made correctly, uh, God received it gladly. But all throughout the Old Testament, by the way, you see people just kind of giving. Like they're, they're, they're giving, and actually in the prophets, you, 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 you see the prophets saying that, God, you're giving, you're, you're giving what you're giving, but it's not pleasing to God because the rest of your life doesn't belong to him. But here's what Paul says to the Philippian church, and so I love what Jason here had to say to you all this morning. Like I have actually no idea where you're at. Like this is between you and God, but Paul is writing the Philippian church 
And he says, I know where your hearts are. And God is pleased. I, I know that you're giving from a heart of generosity. And Paul is thanking the church for that. And so if you're not there, I mean, here's, here's where I encourage you to get. Like, get your heart right with God and give from that. Because that's what God wants. He wants your heart. He wants your life. And then if God really has your heart, what Paul is saying is the, the rest of your life will reflect that. If God has your heart, you will give. You, you will be generous. And I tell people all the time, like, if you don't trust me, if you don't trust the people in this church, give somewhere else if you're a follower of Jesus. If you don't trust me, if you don't trust people in this church, like, you probably should go to a different church. But, I mean, seriously, uh, it's okay. Um, but Paul here is saying it, your heart does. And so maybe you're here and your, your heart really does belong to God. And I'm, I'm going to ask, like, as your pastor, as somebody who's trying to lead you in the mission, uh, give to the church. We, we want to make more disciples. We want to see more people like Gavin come up here and say, you know what, you, you, you helped me learn how to forgive my dad. I mean, what a beautiful expression of the kingdom of God. And so here's, here's how you can give. It's real simple. Um, we have a giving box over here. We, you, old school, right? You used to pass a plate um, as part of worship, and it's a really good thing for that to be an expression of worship. Um, new school is everybody orders their life online. Uh, and so go to our website and, and sign up to give. I encourage you uh, to give. If you want to give here, there's a box right here. It's a black box on the way out. Uh, you can just slip an envelope or a check or however you want to pay or, or give in there, and we encourage that. Verse 19, I love this verse. We're ending here just to re be a reminder of what God is doing and what he has done, and it's a great way to um, get to a place where we're baptizing these young people here. This is what Paul leaves for the church as he gets done kind of talking about their giving. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Uh, church people used to say all the time, you can't outgive give God. Right? It's true. Uh, we can't outgive God. And so whatever you are giving to the Lord, whatever sacrifices you make, however generous you are, you will never be more generous than God is. And this morning, we get to celebrate the idea that God has given his life for us, and he's asked us to give our lives to them. And we got some baptismal uh, candidates or people who are getting baptized here this, this morning, and they are expressing that. They have given their lives to Christ. All of their lives, every single part of them belongs to Christ. We call this our, you got that? All right, watch yourself. Um, you know, we call this our coffin. Because when you get into this, it looks like a coffin. That's why I call it a coffin. But when you get in this, this baptismal, right, you're dying to self and you're becoming alive to Christ. Everything that was yours now belongs to Christ. And they believe that Jesus has called them to come and follow them. And so we're excited to baptize them this morning. Easton is our first, and I love this about Easton. Um, he's got a basketball game here in a moment, and so that's kind of why he's our, our first. Uh, Easton, here, come here. You can't, you don't need an eye black for you. You weren't in here. But, but here, Easton said this. That, I'm, I'm sorry, Easton. I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but this is awesome. So he, he told his dad, his dad asked, he's like, do you just want to get baptized um, and take a break? You're going to get baptized and go play basketball. And he said, he said, dad, I need to get baptized. I'm going to have the best game of my life after I get baptized. So I love that. 
So come on up, Easton.
seated for one second. Um, just want to say a few things. First, if you know, you've never given your life to Christ and um, yeah, haven't given it all to Jesus, I, I want to invite you to do that. Um, I want to invite you to do that. There's no, no prayer or anything magic about doing that, but um, give, your, give, your, give yourself to the Lord as the kids go over here. Um, they're going over here because I, be, I wanted you all to be close to the boxes. I want you to look at all those boxes there. Okay, as they come over, they're coming over. I'm, I'm like making it as difficult as possible on our children's team, kids team. Thank you all. Uh, but I, I want our kids to get to participate in this. Um, before we pray here in a second, we're going to pray. I just want to remind you, if you're able to help us uh, decorate for Christmas, please stick around. We need at least 10 people to help us get some stuff down um, and get in here. So we need that. But a few things I want to say. Uh, before we pray about the boxes and the kids, I'm going to ask that you all turn to the boxes here in a second, is that Jesus cares about the kids, um, about children. And I think it was Augustine who said um, this. He said, the gospel, understanding that, that Jesus loves us, that Christ has died and, and Christ is risen, is it's shallow enough for an infant to swim, but it's also deep enough for an elephant. In other words, like kids can understand the gospel. Uh, kids can understand that God loves them and how to love other people. And yet it's deep enough to where professional nerds like Jason and um, a few others in our church, right, they still can dive in and not exhaust it. And, and Jesus said things like, let the kids come to me. And so we're shipping these boxes off uh, to kids all around the world so that they understand the love of God and that it opens up an opportunity for them to, to hear about Jesus. And so we're going to pray for these. As I end my prayer, everyone is welcome to go. I'm sure I just created like the worst exit uh, possible for our church, but that's okay. Um, how are you guys, let me just ask, are you wanting to leave first or just have the people come get their kids? Okay. So as we, after I pray, the kids are going to leave. Um, let them leave, please. Uh, and then all of you can go find your kids. Um, if you, it's your first time with us, I'll stand right here. Give me 10 um, and would love, love to meet you. So kids, kind of look at the boxes, towards the boxes here. We're going to pray for them. Father, we thank you for the resources that you've given us. We thank you that we have been able to be uh, generous as a church. We pray for each and every box that as it goes out, Father, that the gospel would go forth, that people would know them, the simple truth that the Bible teaches us that God loves me, that God cares for me, that Jesus has died for me, that he has risen, that they can have hope, that they can have joy. I pray that the Holy Spirit, Father, uh, fills the boxes along with all of the toys and material needs. Father, we know that those ultimately won't satisfy us or anyone else, but knowing that you're loved, knowing that you're cared for, knowing that, that God is among them does. And so, we pray over these boxes. We pray for the kids that will be receiving them. We pray for the hands that will be giving them. Uh, Father, uh, we ask that you open up hearts and minds and that the gospel is shared. We thank you for our own kids as they are here in front of us. Father, may we guide them, bless them, and shepherd them in the way that they should go. We love you and we thank you. Uh, I'm glad that uh, 
we got to celebrate these baptisms. Might we remember our own baptism? And Father, might we disciple, continue to disciple these young people that we baptize as they have given their lives to Christ and seek to follow him the rest of their days. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.